0: We'll be in the book of John today, chapter uh, 14. that That'd be 901 in the, in the Pew Bibles. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And And you know that where I am, I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him, and you have seen him. This is the Word of the Lord. As
1: I get started this morning, I meant to say one thing previously I'm grateful that all of you are here this morning, but I especially want to note that I'm grateful today that Trip Pinfield is here today making his first appearance. And you have inside your bulletin this morning uh, some information about Tripp, who was just born to Garrett and Chelsea Penfield. And so you might want to say hi this morning as, as they are here. This morning, you've seen, you just heard from John chapter 14. Uh, th- last summer, last June... If you remember, uh, I had about three weeks where I was going to preach in a row, and I thought that I could do this series on the I Am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John, and and so I had hoped to do that in in that time and just couldn't pack it into those three weeks. And so uh, we've continued that series, and in the midst of that series, I've Spoken a couple of times in the Advent series. We spoke, I spoke last week on Psalm 67, talking about missions. And, and now today, I'm continuing on in that series. Also in the midst of that series, I've let Pastor Ron start a little series in the book of Romans. And so that's taken up some of our time as well. But hopefully, hopefully you can remember where we are in, in John. If you remember, I'm just going to review just a little bit about this series and and why we're doing this series. At the end of the book of John, John makes it very clear why he writes the book of John. And and we've talked about this before. You see it in chapter 20. John says this. He says, now Jesus did many other things in the presence of the disciples, more than what was written here. He says, but these things, the ones that I've chosen to write in this book, are written, and this is what he says in verse 31, so that you may believe in Jesus, you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's John's purpose statement. That you'll read these things, that you'll hear these stories in the way that I have put them together, so that you might believe in Jesus, who is the Christ, who is the Son of God, and that you might believe and have life in his name. And so, then we've kind of looked through the book of John. What does John write about? We looked at chapter one, talking about specific titles that were put onto Jesus. And just a quick review, some of those titles were were that Jesus is the word, that Jesus is the true light, that Jesus is flesh, God in the flesh, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is rabbi or teacher, that Jesus is Messiah or Christ. That Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the law and prophets. That Jesus is the king of Israel. And then at the end of chapter 1, Jesus himself says, calls himself the son of man and the latter to God. Those are some of the, the, the names that get put on him. And then throughout the rest of the book of John, from chapter 2 on, there's a number of statements where Jesus says to, to the believers That were there, he says to them, I am, and makes a statement. And the I am phrase is the exact same wording, the exact same phrase that is used in the Old Testament for Yahweh, for the the name of God, the proper name of God. And so Jesus is saying, I am, and he's also saying, I am God. And he says it in in a couple of different passages. We're not going to go back and look at all of those, but he says it in in chapter 6 when he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Chapter 8, he says, uh, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Chapter 10, he says, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Again in chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life, for his sheep, he who is a hired hand, is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches him and scatters. He flees because he's a hired hand, cares nothing about the sheep. I am, he says in verse 14, the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. In chapter 11, verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes, who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he heals and raises Lazarus from the dead. So, statement number six comes in chapter 14. In order to get the context of what he says here in chapter 14, you have to at least look back a chapter in chapter 13 to see what's happening in the story of John, in the book of John, in the story of the disciples. In the, book, in, in the book of John, in chapter 13, there's all kinds of things that are coming against the disciples. All kinds of things that are, that are, that are pressing in on them. At the beginning of chapter 13, we see the, the disciples and Jesus gather together in the upper room. And none of the other disciples uh, see, see the opportunity that's there to, to, to have their feet washed or to wash their feet. And so Jesus himself takes on a towel, and washes the disciples' feet. And and they're shamed in their pride. And they they go immediately from that, and they go right into uh, Jesus being troubled, it says, in verse 21, that he himself, their leader, is troubled. And then Jesus tells them, he predicts to them, that one of you, one of you, one of my closest Followers is going to betray me. And then, not long after that, Peter, who's emboldened, who, who senses all of this stuff stirring on around him, he's, he's going to make a statement, and he's going to say, God, I will, Jesus, Jesus, I will never, I will never leave you. I will never betray you. I'm going to stand beside you. I'm going I'm to give some, some firmness to all this anxiousness that I feel. Peter's going to take a stand. And I think that other disciples probably probably in that moment wanted that as well. They, 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 they see Peter taking that stand and they want to not feel this anxiousness that they're feeling. And yet Jesus responds to Peter, you, you're going to deny me three times tonight. And all of that is stirring inside the disciples as we get To John chapter 14 the disciples are anxious the disciples are are troubled the disciples feel all of that coming in on them and they do not know how to respond and so Jesus in chapter 14 verse 1 he sees their anxiousness he senses it as well and he gives them a response of hope and he says let not your hearts be troubled believe in God let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. The picture, he has, he has both a, a negative and a positive here. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. The negative is, don't, don't let that happen. And then the positive is, if you're going to take, take off the anxiousness, if you're going to take off the, 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 the nervousness, the, the anxiousness that you feel, the troubledness that you feel, if you're going to take that off, what are you going to replace it with? And he says, this is what you replace it with. Believe in God. Now, the disciples heard that just probably like we hear that. Like, yeah. Yeah, th- that makes sense. I understand that to be true. The, the disciples had, had been with Jesus for three years at this point. They had, they had probably grown up hearing, knowing that, that they're to turn towards God, that they're to look to God, that they're to trust in him, to believe in him. Of course, that's exactly the advice that they would expect don't let your hearts be troubled take that off and put on this believe in God but he doesn't just say that As you see in verse 1 Jesus doesn't just say take off your troubleness, put on faith in God but he also says let not your hearts be troubled believe in God believe also in me Believe also in me. That's the theme of this whole series that we've been working through this past year. It's the the theme of John, really. It's Jesus' theme all along. Jesus is saying, believe in God, but also believe in me. The same way. If you believe in God, you can believe in me. Trusting in God is trusting in me. And the inverse is also true, Trusting in me is trusting in God. Believe in God and believe also in me. We are the same one, is what he's saying to the disciples. That's what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are hearing. They've heard it over and over. Jesus is not just a good teacher. He's not just a man that's doing miracles. He is making statements saying that he is, in fact, God. He is God. And that's what he says here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me the same way. Because we are the same one. How can that be true? The disciples, they've heard it over and over. They've heard all these other statements that Jesus has made throughout the book of John. And their thought right then is how can, this, how can, how can that be the same? How can I believe in God and believe also in Jesus? And so Jesus continues on in these verses to share exactly why, exactly why he can make the statement that says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me. It's the same thing. He concludes that paragraph. Mark read it for us in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, there's no other way. I am the only way. The only way for you to trust in God is for you to trust in me. The only way for you to believe in God is for you to believe in me. If you can't believe in one, you can't believe in the other. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God. No one believes in God except through me. And he gives some specifics about that in this passage. He starts, starts there and he says, believe in God, believe also in me, and then he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Or if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I'll take you to myself that you may know that you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. He begins to talk about another place. He begins to talk about his father's home, and he talks about it in in, in a way that the disciples probably understand, and 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 we don't always understand. He says that that there's this ho- there's this house that that has many rooms. There's this place with many rooms, and 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 that's the picture that Jesus is giving to his disciples of heaven. That's not the picture that we always have of heaven. Oftentimes, our picture of heaven is that there's these large acreages with long streets of gold, and on the top of every hilltop is a mansion, and in that mansion, at some point, I'm going to go, and I'm going to have my own mansion, and you're going to have your own mansion, and we're going to share supper together in those mansions, but we're going to have our own little place. And that's not the picture. It's not the picture that Jesus is painting. And it's not the picture that the disciples would have seen and understood. The disciples would have seen and understood. They would have known from their culture and and would have known that Jesus was talking about God having one big giant house. One big house with lots and lots of rooms. That God has one place with lots of rooms, more than enough for all of us. God has lots of rooms, and he wants all of us to come and to be there together. And that would have been in the culture at that time. The, the father, when the, when the son would have, would have, uh, have taken on a bride, he would, have, he would have added a room, and they would have added a room, and they would have had multi-generations all in one place, and they just would have continued to grow their home. And that's the picture that Jesus is painting for his disciples. He says, my father has lots of rooms. It's all together. Jesus is stressing to the disciples, and I think stressing to us, that Jesus is about, that God and his home, heaven for us, is about community. And it's about intimacy. Intimacy it's about community and intimacy. And the reason that we have this picture of long streets of gold with hilltop mansions all over the place is because because we want, we like independence. We like to be on our own. We like to be a, and and especially in our in our culture right here in our church, we we're Country folk, we like the idea that there's a mile between homes or more miles. Dave shared last week that there's 0. 0.4 people that live per square mile in our township right here. And we like that. And it go, kind of goes against our nature. It kind of goes against our grain to think that we're going to end up living in an apartment right next to somebody else when we finally get to heaven. And yet, that's the picture. That's the picture that Jesus is painting for the disciples. And I think that's the picture that Jesus is painting for us because it's not just right here in John chapter 14. It's all over in the Bible. That we are, we are called to be one body, to be one people. And not just when we get to our apartment in heaven, but even here right now. We are called to be one body. Together, we are called to be in community. We are called to be intimate with one another. Last week, I, I, I shared, as we had, had missed the previous three weeks in a row of church, and, and we gathered together, and I, and I said as we gathered together last week that it was good for us to be together, that I had hoped that your soul would be encouraged, that, that when you come, you... you you glean truths from the scripture that you that you sing the songs and that your heart is 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 uplifted in those moments but also that when you come to church one of the things that you long for is the connection with one another that that your soul is uplifted not just by what happens here in the sanctuary, here on this platform, here in these pews, but that your soul is is encouraged and uplifted and built up by what happens in the foyer and in the hallways and in the Sunday school rooms. And the only way for that to happen is for each of us, each of you, to look intentionally at someone else and think, how might I strengthen and encourage and uplift their hope? And that's what it means to be together in one body, to be together in one community, to be, to be intimate with one another. We can't just be on a silo on our own. We can't just be on our own hilltop, in our own place, separated from everyone else. That's not what God has called us to do. It's not what he has called us to be. He says we're one body. We need all the parts of all of the body to work together as one. we're called as believers right now on earth to be together, not just in the future. And Jesus says, my father has a house and there's many rooms. And he says, he says we're called to go, we're called to be in community, we're called to be in one body. And then he also says, Jesus is preparing a place for you. For you. So he has this big picture. There's lots and lots of rooms. There's lots and lots of space. The whole community is going to be together. It's one giant place. And then he says, and he's preparing a place for you. So he takes it from this big, giant house with lots and lots of rooms all the way down to where you are and he's preparing a place for you. There's this this idea that God has a plan for for community and body, but he also has an eye for you individually. God is sovereign over all things. He's sovereign over all peoples, and yet God is extremely personal. We talked about that last week. I I mentioned even this morning in, in Psalm 67 that we want God's face to shine upon us, that we want him to to look at us and to see us. That part of his blessing is a relational blessing. has lots of rooms for lots of people. And yet he has a room for you individually. And Jesus says at the end of that paragraph, I am the way and the truth and the life. That statement, that statement that Jesus makes, that phrase that Jesus says seems to, to, to embody Jesus' mission and calling more than any other single statement. It shows the, the, the roles that Jesus was sent to earth to, to, to fulfill, the, the prophet, priest, and king roles. It shows, um, it, it, gives, it gives the best descriptors of what Jesus comes to do, that he is is way, truth, and life. It reveals the exclusivity of the gospel and of Jesus himself, that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Those three statements, those three statements declare so much about Jesus. And So I'm going to look just for a minute at each one this morning, and I'm going to throw you off. I'm going to do them a little out of order. We're going to move the way to the end as we segue into communion this morning. And I want to start with Jesus saying, I am the truth. I am the truth. He says it at the end of that paragraph, but he shows it back in verse 3. He said, in my Father's house there's many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And then he says in verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you. I will take you. Jesus is the one. He is going to come again. He is going to be the one that would take you. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is, his role here is to reveal the Father. His role was to be God made flesh so that we might see and know and understand who God was. He was the truth. He is the truth. He's the revealer of the Father. He is is the the final prophet who comes and declares exactly what God is saying and what God is sharing with his people. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies that came before him. Jesus is yes to all of the promises that have come to us in all of scripture. Jesus is is the truth and he says I, am, I will be the one that comes, I will be the one that takes you, my father has this home, it has many many rooms, it's just for you there's an individual place for you and I am going to come, me, Jesus I am going to come and take you I am the truth, I am the one that reveals the father and he also says I am the life he says it there in verse 3 again he says, I go, I prepare a place for you. I will come and I will take you where? To myself. That where I am, you may be also. I take you there myself. And I take you to myself. So that you will be there. He says, he says I am going to go to my father's home, where there's many rooms, room for you. I will take you with me and I myself will will be there. He's going to his father's home. Jesus is going home. And and the this was encouraging to me as I read it this week in in one of the commentaries the picture is that Jesus <laughs> I don't I probably can't even explain it the right way. Jesus is going home. And and the, way, the best way for you to understand that, the best way for me to understand that is, is the picture of, of when I go to my mom and dad's house. When I get there, maybe this is true, not, not true for you, or maybe it never was true, But, but when I get to my mom and dad's house, there's cherry cheesecake in the refrigerator. And it's not because they ever eat cherry cheesecake. It's because I like cherry cheesecake. And and when I get there, there's a, my mom has this this blackboard that kind of hangs outside of the room they use for their guest room, and and it will always say something like you know, welcome to the Jays, or we're so glad to have Jason and Jenny and Jonah and Jana and jo-. It's special. It's special. Jesus isn't just taking us to, the, to this conference center where there's all of these rooms and we're gonna have a good time and it's, it's something that he's been planning and preparing for. That's not the picture. Jesus is taking us to his father's house. He's taking us home. He's taking us to the most special place, the most special place that he knows and it's special for everyone who comes with him. You are a guest You are a guest of the child, or you are a guest of the son. And in fact, he even goes further to say, you are a child. You are a co-heir with Christ. I'm taking you to my father's house, but this is your father's house too. It's a special place. He says, my home is going to become our home. And not only that, I'm gonna be there with you. Jesus says, I will be there. I am the resurrection and the life, he said earlier. I am the one who brings dead things back to life. I am the one who brought your dead soul to life so that you might see and know so that you can come and live in my Father's home with me. I am the essence of all things. It's in me that all things are held together. I'm bringing you to me. I am the breath of life and you're going to come, and you're going to, I'm going to bring you to myself. You're going to be here with me. I am the truth, and I am the life. But he starts his statement by saying, I am the way. I am the way. I said it in verse 2. The picture of it was in verse 2. In my father's house, there's many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that? I go to prepare a place for you. And Pastor Ron has talked about this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but, but the idea that Jesus goes to prepare a place for us is not that Jesus is the, is the ultimate home renovator. Jesus is not Chip or Joanna Gaines. He's not doing a remodel, preparing a place for us to come and spend some time in his father's home. He's not tweaking a few things, prepping for our arrival. That's not the preparation that Jesus is talking about preparation that jesus is talking about though does include a hammer and nails it's just not to do a remodel it's for a crucifixion the hammer and nails are for his hands and his feet to a wooden cross in our place for our redemption to make for us a way to join him with his father in heaven Preparing the way that Jesus is talking about, preparing a way is not a heavenly construction, but it's an earthly crucifixion. And at the conclusion of the crucifixion, when Jesus is on the cross just before he dies, he says, it is finished. He doesn't say anything about, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna leave right now so that I can finish up, there's still a few things that need to get finished before we can all come there together. What Jesus was preparing was a way so that you and I, you and I might be welcomed into God's home, into the Father's mansion. This is Jesus' priestly office. It's here that Jesus is the mediator between us and God. It's here, it's here, where Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins. It's here where Jesus is the perfect lamb that takes away the sins of the world, John says at the beginning. John the Baptist says, It's here that Jesus is the bridge for the gap. It's here that Jesus is the road to God's heavenly home. It's here that Jesus is the way. He's prepared a place for us, and He has prepared a way for us. He doesn't just come to reveal it, but He does do that. He is the truth. He doesn't just come to take us to the place where where he is the essence of all life and everything flows in and through him. But he does do that. He is the truth and the life. But he also says, I am the way. And not just I am the way, but I'm the only way. No one comes to the Father, no one comes home, no one comes to this big house with many, many rooms. No one comes there except through me. He says to the disciples, don't be anxious. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. I am the way and the truth and the life. The only way you come to the Father is through me. This morning we're going to celebrate that right here together as we share in communion. Jesus is the way. He is the one that made a way for us. And we celebrate that with these elements right here. This morning, we're going to serve those to you. There's an invitation in your bulletin. It's on the screen as well. If you can live under that invitation, you are more than welcome, encouraged, in fact, to share in communion with us this morning. We will serve these elements to you in your pews. We would love for you to take part in that, to be strengthened by this sacrament with us. But if you read through that invitation and you're not comfortable with that or you're uncomfortable with the process this morning, we would welcome you to abstain. There's no requirement this morning that you share in this communion with you, but we want you to. We hope that you will. We want you to be strengthened by this, reflecting on the fact that Jesus is, in fact, the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father except through Him. The elders are going to come. They're going to help me to serve this morning and encourage them to come at this point and we'll share communion with you. share it together.
2: I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood fixed his loving eyes on me, as near his cross I stood, and never till my dying breath will I forget that look. It seemed to charge me with his death, though not a word he spoke. My conscience felt and owned the guilt And plunged me in despair I saw my sins his blood had spilt And helped to nail him there But with a second look he said I freely all forgive This blood is for your handsome pain I died that you might live. Forever etched upon my mind is the look of Him who died, the Lamb I crucified, and now. My life will sing the praise of pure atoning grace that looked on me and gladly took my place.
1: This represents the body of Jesus Christ that was broken on the cross that brokenness that crucifixion was the preparing that Jesus did so that he might be the way and the truth and the life take and eat and be grateful Again, take and hold, and we'll share it together.
2: Thus while his death my sin displays, for all the world to view Such is the mystery of grace It seals my part in two With pleasing grief and mournful joy My spirit now is filled That I should such a life destroy Yet live by him I kiss. Forever etched upon my mind Is the look of Him who died The Lamb I crucified And now my life will sing the praise Of pure atoning grace That looked on me And gladly took my place.
1: represents the blood of Jesus shed for us it's with the shed blood of Christ that we have any hope of following the way of joining the truth and the life in the Father's home with many rooms so take and drink and be grateful this morning God, I'm grateful that while we were still sinners, you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us. That he who had no sin became sin for me so that I might know, so that I might have the righteousness of God. That Jesus was the way the truth, and the life. And that I might know the Father only through him. God, help us to grasp onto that and to hold onto that. Just to treasure Christ this morning. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the one who makes it possible. In
0: Christ's name, amen. Thank you for coming this morning.